0: We have just participated in a powerful illustration of our giving God. That reality sets us up for all that is true about the filling of the Spirit and what that means and how that operates. The alternative to live big isn't live small, it's live empty. I don't think it's a very complicated thing for any of us to recognize that that is fundamentally the problem with the people around us who do not know Christ. It explains their behavior, it explains how they live. They fill themselves with material things, they fill themselves with substances and become addicted. They practice immorality because they are empty. And that's the futility of being outside of Christ, who fills us and invites us, by the way, to come into a relationship with him and experience the fullness of that filling every day. To chase away the emptiness and the futility and fill us with meaning and purpose and God himself. It's a frustrating thing for a saved person to have access to the fullness of God and still feel empty. And there are many people who claim to be followers of Christ, who claim to be in the family of God, but but have this sense of emptiness in their lives. We were not meant to be empty. Either it's through making wrong assumptions about what it means to be filled with the Spirit, reducing the reality to, to some short-term manifestation, seeking some gift or experience. That's not what filling, the ex- filling of the Holy Spirit is. Or perhaps uh, too many believers are resigning to the sad idea that, that being filled with the Spirit is is something that they'll never attain to, and, and it's only for certain people. Somehow there's an unreachable level of excellence that doesn't include me. Or still, there's another group of people who claim to be Christ's people, who are sitting around waiting for a feeling to descend upon them, to summon them to the high tide time to experience the filling of God. And, They've been sitting in the pews, tapping their fingers for years now, waiting for that moment, waiting for that experiential moment to say, this is your time to be filled with the Spirit. And sadly, none of those things, none of those activities, none of those ideas will enable you to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, you're missing out on what is available to every Christian right now. It's what the Apostle Paul would call in the book of Ephesians, unwise living, foolish living, not making the most of the time, not being opportunistic with what you've been given. In fact, um, the mystery of the filling of the Spirit needs to give way to practical realities, and I, I hope in the few minutes that we have together this morning, that's where we land. Because it, God is not playing games with us. He, he's not trying to hide this from us. He gives us a road map. He gives us the instructions. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning, please, to Ephesians chapter five. Spirit-filling, very simply, is an invitation by God to intentionally live big. Jesus says to you, "Are you thirsty?" Drink! Are you hungry? Eat! Spirit filling is, is an invitation to all. And fortunately, I, I believe that uh, because of the misunderstandings of filling of the Spirit, too many churches remain immature and incapable of impacting their communities in the way that they could. If God's people... Every Christian in this community, in our church, were filled with the Spirit of God daily. I, I I can't even imagine or envision what would happen to Durham Region. It would be shaken in ways that we could not even envision. But this is what God has for us and wants us to take advantage of. And, and so um, ...I'm going to attempt to answer the question this morning... ...how can you or how can I experience live big... ...or being filled with the Spirit kind of life? And it's the starting point of this Proposal 7... ...the starting point is starting with the truth that you must believe... ...that God gives. And what we're going to talk about is how God restructures our inner affections. God is the giver... Paul says in the, in, in ephesians if, if you want to know what live big is, he says, I, I want you to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. I want you to get high on Jesus every day. I, I want you to, to to stuff yourself with God, make every situation a filling event in your life that's available to you a, a few moments ago we we, we read a scripture text that, that points to the idea of God as giver... ...when Jesus says, this is my body which is for you. God has done everything for us. In Acts chapter 2 verse 17, in fulfillment of Joel 2.28... The, ...the filling of the spirit reality, the having of the Holy Spirit reality... ...is the fulfillment of a promise in the Old Testament... ...of I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind it 's the expectation of the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life that it would be poured into your life and full Jesus in John four fourteen says, "Whoever drinks the water, I give him, and the water is a reference to the Holy Spirit in John seven verse thirty seven and thirty eight If thirsty drink from inner being shall flow rivers of living water, talking about the Holy Spirit. ...who had yet to be given. Now God gives us the Holy Spirit. And the promise is not just about one gift... ...but is in fact the gift of the giver of gifts himself... ...lavished on us. This is what the promise of the filling of the Spirit is. He is lavishing on us... ...the giver of the gifts himself... That will enable us the the precious things that, that bring fullness to an empty life. God is not seeking to improve us. In other words, to make better empty people who are capable of coping. God is seeking to transform us, He's not looking for us merely to cope. He has given us this amazing salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we might be more than conquerors. The people outside of faith have to cope. That's why Paul is writing and describing some of the ways that they cope. They cope through greed. They cope through uh, through uh, intoxication on, on substances. They cope through immorality. And they wake up the next day the same as they were the day before, empty and futile, and have to do it all over again. Jesus says, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a system whereby you could be filled to overflowing and never run dry? That's called filling with the Spirit. And it's not just for the extraordinary person. It is for the normal, everyday person garden-variety Christian, like you and like me. Now, at Salvation, you know, we talked about this, you receive the fullness of God. You can't receive more of God than you already have. But you may still be living with certain emptiness realities in your life and seeking other strategies other than the Spirit of God to solve the problems of your life. To handle the troubles. To handle the challenges. To handle the relational complexities that face you every day. And the Word of God says to us, instead of that, instead of those strategies and tactics that you know didn't work before salvation, why would you think they're going to work after salvation? Instead of all of that, be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, um, As I said to you or promised to you last week, we would get to the practical realities of this. And you're saying to me, look it, I, I, okay, you know, I, I have salvation, I, I want this filling, what do I have to do? Would you get to it already? Okay, right, be patient. So then what, what is our responsibility in this filling then? Or, or how do we take advantage of having the giver of gifts in other words, we already have all that we need. How do we take advantage of it? Or, or how to, uh, In other words, how are we take, it, take advantage of all the features of God? Whenever you buy something, whether it's a car or an electronic implement or whatever it is, you grab that instruction manual and you turn to the back. Usually at the back, it has a listing of all the features. And you look there and you say, wow, isn't that amazing, all these things? And then you spend a lifetime trying to figure out how to gain access to all those features in your computer or your car or whatever it is. God wants you to have this. He wants you to have access and avail yourself of all of the features of God since he's moved into your life. Uh, Too many of us are are not availing ourselves of of all of the features of God. We're using so little uh, of what God has granted to us. This promise to us is to have all of God and all of His power and presence in our lives. What that means in terms of practical life. Now, now God's calling you into faith and salvation. Christ's death on the cross. The, the acquisition of the Holy Spirit into your life and the operation of the Holy Spirit. All the experiences you've had through listening to sermons and... The, the fact that you've been baptized by immersion, does not exhaust nor form the entire complement of what is necessary to honor God's will in this command to be filled with the Spirit. We are given a responsible part in the execution of this will of God made known to us. We must be consciously and willingly involved In this filling of the spirit process. This power is poured into our lives. But we must do something in terms of turning the key. So what is it? Well, unless you are outstanding sword drillers. We're going to go through a number of texts of scripture. And so I'm going to have them for you on the screen. But... I would encourage you to jot them down and look at them carefully yourselves... ...but but let's begin this journey on answering the question... ...what is our responsibility in this filling then? Our journey begins in Colossians 2, verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... ...continue to live in Him. In other words, to answer the question of how to be filled with the Spirit... I must understand that the same way that I came to faith in Jesus Christ, the same way that I came to know Christ, is the same way, in the same manner, that I'm going to experience the fullness of the Spirit of God. In other words, the same way I was saved is going to be the same way I am sanctified, or spiritualized, or filled with the Spirit. You choose the the, the synonym. And which is, by the way, from Galatians. Ready, drum roll. Galatians three twenty six. You are all sons or daughters of God. Drum roll. Through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, we said yes to God's regenerating, saving activity in our lives. How am I filled with the Spirit? You are filled with the Spirit the same way you became full of the Spirit on the day that you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same way. By faith. Now there's a collective sag and a collective letdown out there. Come on! Is that all you're going to tell us? It's just by faith? Yes. By faith you were saved. By faith you will grow. By faith, you will be big. You will live big. Now, I, I'm going to work with you a little bit on this because, in fact, you, this idea of salvation and how faith worked. There was a point in your life where you believed that you were a sinner and in rebellion to God. You came to an understanding of what that meant, you believed the truth about your sinful state. You also came to to believe that that Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary was an acceptable sacrifice to God in heaven that by believing in Christ, by seeking forgiveness of your sins, you could be saved. And you believed you were willing to receive at that moment Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You turned from, you repented from yourself and your sin, and you turned to the Savior. And you did all of that through the grace of God who offered you this salvation, and by faith, you received it. You willingly received it to your life. That's the definition of faith believing that God is and that He is able to accomplish what He promised. He promised salvation to those who will call on the name of the Lord. You believed it, you receive it. That's how it works. It is the same way in growing. William Barclay writes this about faith. The first element in faith is what we can only call receptivity. Which, by the way, in itself is a gift of God. You are incapable of even responding positively... ...to the free gift of salvation... ...unless God enables you to. Everything from first to last... ...from over, from under, from in... ...you you take any direction you can possibly uh, envision... ...it's all from God. So you're saying, well... ...but you're talking about my responsibility. Yes, I am. I continue... A definition of faith by James Fowler, which is outstanding. Faith is much more than a cognitive assent to the veracity of historical and theological data. Don't you love the way some of these guys write? Faith is much more than subjective assurances of inner feelings of peace and well-being. Faith is much more than a willful determination to respond in moral conformity. Faith is our choice to allow God to act in and through us. I think that's a terrific definition. Especially the last part there. The rest is very heady. But the last part is very significant. Faith is our choice to allow God to act in and through us. That's how we got saved. That's how you're going to get big. Allowing God to act in and through you. Your part is are you going to let it happen... Or are you going to fight it? And the truth is, the vast majority of garden variety Christians walking around on any given day are fighting the filling of the Spirit. It's not that it's hard to find or mysterious or unavailable. We fight it. So after you have received faith to respond, and you do, and you come to faith in Christ, from then on you are rooted and built up in Him. You are established in your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The journey here is from emptiness to fullness. And the only question is, what are you going to fill yourselves with? Is it going to be the Spirit or other stuff? Are you going to go back to Egypt and try to dabble in those kind of things and use those as strategies and tactics for your life of coping? Or are you going to embrace all there is in the Spirit of God and grow in Christ so that you become a thankful person, so that you become a giving person, So that you become a forgiving person. Notice all the gives and falls in these words. That's the transformation that takes place post salvation, which we call live big or being filled with the Spirit. That is, you become receptive to God's ongoing work to cause or make his character to obviously shape yours. He does the work, you make the effort. There's a huge difference. Let me step you into the creation realities. And by the way, before we get there, God wants this for you. I want to pause here for a second. I I I can't say this enough. I don't know. Again, do I have to stand on my head and whistle Dixie? I don't know what would would work. But I I want you to know God wants this for you. He's cheering for you, saying this is something I definitely want for you. I'm not trying to hide this from you. I'm not trying to to play favorites with anybody. I want everybody who is in my family to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants for you. Now, um, to to try and gain an understanding of this giving of God to us, let's make sure we, we, we parenthetically backtrack here a little bit and go back to creation and make sure we understand that this is the consistent way God functions. As the creator, God is giver. In the beginning, God. Uh, Before God created, there was nothing except God. And God first created matter, and then he made that matter useful. If you read in the first two verses of the Bible, it tells you that the earth was formless and void, or without form. And God... Formed it and filled it. It was empty and he filled it. He caused light to come out of the darkness. God is, his pattern of creation is to take things that are empty and fill them. It's no accident in the New Testament when he describes the idea of salvation as we have become new creations. Why would he want to use that word? He would want to use that word so that we would quickly race back to creation and say, oh, how does this all work? It works by the giving of God who gives life, who gives form, who makes things useful, who takes empty things and fills them. And this is his intention in in you, in the new creation, you, to fill you. At the same time, Man is, by design, receiver, dependent, a derivative creature, incapable to self-generate. That's why we say this, all of this, from first to last, from over to under, from every possible direction, Is all about God. God is the only giver of this. You you can't create this in yourself. You can't generate a Christ-like persona in your own strength. This is all about what God can do in your life and will do in your life. By the way, the the contrast in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, and frankly, the the vast majority of the book of Ephesians, is a contrast of light and darkness. The Apostle Paul is writing to the people of Ephesus in a place that is highly occultic, uh, highly given over to other strategies for coping with life, and he presents them with the alternative... God the creator who will fill your life and form your life and make you useful so that you'll become more than a conqueror. And he sets up this contrast and and starting in chapter 4, verse 17, he talks about the evil one and his kingdom is all about taking and emptiness and darkness. He uses words like um, the futility of their thinking, the darkened in their understanding. These are people outside of Christ, separated from the life of God, uh, given themselves over to sensuality and continual lust for more. Why? Because they're empty. They're bitter, there's rage, there's anger, there's brawling, there's slander, there's malice, there's relational disasters. Why? Because everybody's trying to take from each other. And God is all about the giver, who wants you to be filled with himself, filled with the Spirit, so that you are givers as well, and don't have to be takers. It's a contrast between emptiness and fullness. He says, do not be drunk with wine, whereas in excess you become intoxicated, which leads to debauchery, destruction, and the next day you still have all your problems and more. But rather, be filled with the Spirit. Not only will you have an overflow of God to give, but you won't wake up the next day feeling empty. You'll be transforming. You'll be being changed. You'll be becoming something spectacular. Darkness possesses nothing. It lacks everything. It is the absence of. It always loses to light. But we've been offered something more spectacular, something far greater. And and, and he writes throughout the scriptures, God's word leads us throughout the scriptures, that this filling of the spirit begins with an attitude preparation. Just as God said in the original creation, let there be light, and there was light... So in the scriptures, there's an attitude presentation to you. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. God says it. It's an attitude adjustment. You want to get rid of emptiness and receive the fullness of, of my giving, Jesus says? Well, then start viewing yourself as a new creation. Being filled to overflowing. Believing the truth that you are full of Christ. So no longer do you have to do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility you can think of others as better than yourselves. You don't have to look out for your own interests. But you can look on the interests of others. Your attitude then should be the same as Christ Jesus. Futile thinking and darkened understanding and unwholesome stuff of the past is choosing to feel empty, rather Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Philippians 4.8 So how does this work then in my life, in my day-to-day practical decision-making life? Uh, How do I cooperate with this work of God that He wants to do in my life to fill me? Well, I want to give you... uh, Five faith ideas that you can use. And by the way, James in chapter 2, of verse 17 and 18, in defining faith, says, Make sure you understand that faith without works is what? Dead. Useless. It does no good to say, I believe something, but not act on it. That, frankly, is the major obstacle to the filling of the Spirit. We have filled our heads with all kinds of things we believe theologically. Or at least claim to believe theologically. But I would submit to you that you might have learned some theological things... ...but the only way you can prove that you've uh, believed anything is to actually do it. Because belief without doing is not belief. James says faith without acting on your claimed faith is dead. So, what does this look like then? There are some certain things that we are expected to believe and live by faith... ...that will enable us to live filled in the Spirit. We we first of all need to have faith that that is fixed on reality. And one of those realities that's extremely strategic... ...in being filled with the Spirit has to do with our sin. In Romans chapter 6 verse 11 we are told there, we are commanded there to consider yourselves dead to sin. Now, we are not dead to sin on the basis of the fact that we have, by our minds, simply considered ourselves dead to sin. I'm going to consider myself dead to sin, therefore I am dead to sin. No, we are dead to sin because Jesus has made it so. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus gained victory over sin for us. We are to believe this reality because it is so. We consider ourselves dead to sin because we, are in fact, are dead to sin. That's what f- real faith is. Faith is believing something is true because it is true. And because it is true, I live like it's true. Uh, many of us um, still reach back into the realm of sin... As a strategy to help us cope with life, when in fact we are dead to any desires for that. When we do that, when we in fact reach back, uh, we are purposely overriding dead desires. It's, it's like you, um, and perhaps none of you have ever done this, but it's, it's like you, you go to the fridge when you're not even hungry and pull something out. And decide to eat it. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've done that in my life. It's, it's like late night, you know, and, and it's before bed, and you're, you're think, thinking, ah, you know what, I don't really feel hungry, but come on, it's, it's, it's before bedtime. Of course you have to have a bedtime snack. And so you go to the fridge, and you, you get in the fridge, and you take something out, and you think, I'm not even hungry, but, but I have to have my bed nights, my, my bedtime snack. <laughs> and, um, and so you do. And, um and you know what happens when you do stuff like that. But, but in the case of sin, it's, as if, if we are, it's the same as that. We are choosing to sin even though Christ has defeated our desires. And you won't be filled with the Spirit if you're going to choose to gratify your sinful nature. This just isn't going to happen. The second important faith, so believe believe in the cross. First, the first thing is that believe in the cross and what Christ accomplished for you and live it. The second faith I think that is important is faith, offering, uh, faith yielding to authority. In James 4, 7, we're told to submit ourselves to God. You have to make a decision in life whether you're going to be full of yourself or full of God. You can't be both. Who is going to be the authority of your life? I thought... Correct me if I'm wrong... But I thought when you signed up for salvation... You decided to receive Jesus Christ... As your personal Lord! Which means... You've agreed that He's the authority of your life. But it requires of us... That's the truth. He is the authority of your life. Now the faith reality is... Believing that is true... So much so, that you treat Him as if He's the authority of your life. What He says, you do. That's Lordship. You'll be filled with the Spirit. Third, faith offering yourself to the real and rightful owner. In Romans 6.13, 19, Romans 12.1, same thing all the time. Offer yourselves to God, or present yourselves to God. He bought you to free you and to grant you fullness. And all he says is, show up every day. Show up and I'll give all this to you. Show up and and present yourself to me. Present yourself on a daily basis. Say, Lord, I'm yours. You're the rightful owner. You paid for me. God the Father paid for you through the precious blood of his son. He owns you. He bought you. And so you, so you, by faith, do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe that, there's actions that are involved in that. You can't just say, oh, that's an interesting thing that I come every Easter to learn about. No, it's a, it's a daily life principle. He purchased you at the cross. And so I give myself to him. He's the rightful owner of my life. Versus the choice to go back to slavery and emptiness... Of my own self. Fourth, to the faith that... So so, the, so I, I believe in the cross. I believe in deity. I believe in redemption. And I believe, fourthly, in power. Faith. Staying where you are put. In John fifteen four. Jesus said, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You still think you can make yourself better? That's our problem. We... We fight the strategies and ideas and commands and imperatives and excellence of God and we go back and say, no, I, I'd rather try and do it myself. I'd rather, work, I'd rather work on this myself. I'd rather, you know, if I get angry, I just count to ten. That's, that's a human strategy. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to rely on Christ until we no longer get to that state of anger. Until we're transformed and changed. By the repeated filling of the spirit. And all that that means. Staying in Christ. Recognizing that I can't do this. It's only as I'm connected to Christ. and Empowered by him that I can do this. And the fifth faith. That I think is important for us. Is, to, is faith enjoying where God has put you. And what God is doing in your life. This may be the toughest faith of all. To make every effort to enter into that rest. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. It is faith believing that God is taking care of my life in a really excellent way. And I can tell you what that really means. It means faith in God. I mean, really and say, oh, we're all here this morning. Of course we have faith in God. No, no. No, I'm talking about a faith that's so committed to the reality and truth that God has your best interests at heart that no matter what happens in your life, you enjoy what God is doing and where God has put you. And look it, the reason I say this is probably the hardest of all is because I I know what's going on in some of our lives. There's some really tough situations. Some of you have suffered um, unbelievable loss or or are in the process of of facing loss of perhaps health, capabilities, uh, employment, You perhaps have relational complexities that are beyond what anybody could ever imagine or know. And this is where the rubber hits the road about being filled with the Spirit. To help you, not just cope, but be more than a conqueror during this thing, is to really believe in God. To really believe in Him. To believe in Him so much... That you just are totally satisfied in Christ and you offer your life to him with no holes barred. To come to the place where you no longer say I'm not sure I want what comes from this level of spiritual commitment. See, I think one of the biggest things that's holding us back is trying to answer the hypothetical question, what if I really give my life to Jesus this much? I'm not sure I want to be all in. And when we're not sure we want to be all in, it's because nagging in our heart is, I'm not sure God is really good. And I'm not sure I can really trust God. And if you don't, you can never be filled with the Spirit. Never. It's until you come to that place where you really believe in Him. I need to wind it up. But let me just try and summarize a couple of things so that we can really make sure we get this. The Word of God goes on to tell us there's many things to abstain from and many things to engage in. And I want to make it this simple for you. I believe that the filling of the Spirit is not mysterious or mystical or experiential in the sense of um, bizarre. Filling of the Spirit is simply believing what God tells you to do is what you should do and what you must do, and you do it. God has never given us anything that He simply wants us to glean as information. It is always for the purpose, practical purpose, of doing this. And the bottom line in filling of the Spirit is God is asking you a very simple question. I have given you everything you need. I have given you all of these promises. And I have said how all of these promises will turn out. Now, the big question in your life is this. Will you say yes or no when I ask you to do something? Will you say yes when I tell you to love your wife or will you say no? Will you say yes when I tell you to yield to your husband or will you say no? Will you say yes when I say speak to one another in psalms and hymns and build one another up or no? Will you be thankful in all things or no? Will you choose to obey your parents or not? Will you fathers choose to spiritually raise your children or not? Will you as employees choose to respect your employer or not? Will you as employers choose to respect your employees or not? Will you pray unceasingly in all occasions or not? And how you answer that question not just in your head, but in your activities, determines whether or not you are being filled with the Spirit. I'm convinced that the results and the requirements are the same thing. When Paul writes, understand what the will of God is, and learn to please the Lord, he then gives a command, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, speaking and singing and praising and thanking and loving and yielding and obeying and praying. He's saying those are the results of people who are filled. But by the way, they got there because they did them. And I enabled them to do them. You see... um, the illustration he gives of the drinking, the alcohol. It's not the drinking that changes the person's character or behavior. It's the alcohol. The substance interacts with the body and causes an effect. But it never would have happened unless the person was drinking. Likewise... The Holy Spirit is the one who causes the effect. But you must drink. You must eat. You must obey. You must yield. You must pray. Carol, come and sing for us about the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you will help us to fully embrace all that you have for us in this filling of the Spirit... For your great namesake, I pray. Amen. God is preparing us for a wedding. When we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we became engaged to Christ. And he gave us an engagement ring called the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing what is to come. And he's preparing us for that great marriage supper of the Lamb where he will present his beautiful body, the bride, the bride, to the beautiful groom, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's dressing us for that wedding. And Jesus is asking us, would you put this on? And and put this on. Why would I put this on, Lord? Put, Put love on. Love for your wife. Why? Because you'll love her. And put this on. So that the world will see this beautiful bride prepared for their groom. That's what filling in the Spirit is all about. Put on Christ. Clothe yourselves in Christ so that you're beautifully adorned for that wedding. It's this simple. Men, you will love your wives when you love them. Don't sit around and wait till you feel like it. You will love them when you love them. That's what filling of the Spirit is all about. Ladies, you will yield to your husband when you submit to him out of respect, not when you sit around and wait for it. You have been given fullness in God. Now do what he asks you to do, and you will be filled, changed transformed, adorned by all the precious things that make Christ, Christ, ready for the groom at your wedding day. That's what this is all about. Live big because the wedding is coming. Our Father, please help us. Please help us, Lord, to be beautifully adorned in the things you've commanded us to do with the promise that we will be like Christ, beautifully, radiantly prepared for the groom at the marriage supper of the Lamb, of which we looked forward to today from the Lord's table. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.